Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by Carol Angley Flores with myself, Stephen Nussbaum. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, my South Dan Chum, the bearded legende, the one and only, the very happy, the daddy-o. It's Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 328. And thanks, as always, to everyone who tuned into last week's show and to James from the Rainbows Group for his time and sharing a little bit more about what they do. This week, we've got two games to go over quite briefly. Uh, We've also got special guest Matt Porter waiting on the line for us now. Plus, we're going to round up with uh, all the news that's happened at the club over the last seven days. So without further ado, let's just crack on. As always, we start with a word from our sponsor. We certainly do. So our sponsor are Carol Angley Florists, who are based in Chingford and have been serving the borough Waltham Forest and the surrounding areas for more than the last 70 years. Amazing work there from the team. And a team of florists are here for all your needs, whether that's a wedding, a family funeral, birthday, anniversary, bar mitzvah, anything you will need flowers for, they can sort for you. And they offer all O's fans up to 15% off and staff as well, I should uh, I should say as well, which is a huge and can be a massively huge saving for you. So to get in touch, you can call the shop on 0208 529 4130 or you can go to their website www.carolangley.co.uk or you can go on social media with any inquiries that you have. You can go to Instagram and find the team at Carol Langley Florist. You can go to Twitter and find the team at Carol Langley E4. Or you can find the guys on Facebook at Carol Langley Florist. You can actually do that. And also it's worth mentioning that if you've got a business or a product that you're keen to promote, we can help you reach quite a broad audience actually. So get in touch with us to find out what we've got available and uh, we'll find an option that suits you. So as I mentioned in the introduction, we are very, very pleased, delighted actually to have uh, Leighton Orient Director Matt Porter joining us now. Matt, thanks very much for sparing some of your time uh, this evening. I guess we'll start with yesterday, actually. We seem to only beat teams at the top, at the very top uh, of the table. What were your thoughts on, on the Exeter game yesterday? Well, my first thoughts were, lads, and good evening, by the way. Hi, everyone. My first thoughts were that, isn't it great to go on and do an interview after an injury time <laughs> when we're away from home? But, you know, <laughs> probably better than a 4-0 reverse. Yeah. Um, listen, it was a big win, I thought, but as big as the win was the performance. Um, you know, it was a game we dominated from start to finish, and I thought it was a, a really worthy uh, worthy ending to, to, to what was a, a very satisfying 90 minutes. You know, it's been... A tough integration into League One, as we as we expected, and as anybody would expect, particularly with the the, the standard of teams we've played in the opening few games. Um, but you know, apart from the Stevenage game and, and and parts of the Portsmouth game, we haven't been out of any of the matches so far, and it's a learning curve for the players and the management team. And you know, although the results might not be as much as everybody would have would have expected or hoped for at this stage, I do think we are showing a lot of signs of of of, of integrating into the level. And in terms of your thoughts on the season so far, how would you sum well, it up? I mean, well, you've just given us a bit like of a summary. I, like I say, look, it's you know, it, it, it's a much, it's a much better level when you look at the top half of League One. I think if you look at the bottom few teams, there's not a huge amount of difference with with League Two. But if you look at the top, uh, the top eight, and and you know, we we'd probably divide the division into three eights and see ourselves in that middle eight, really. Um, but it's it's going to take time. Think back to the last time we did it, right? Think back to the last time we got out out of League Two, and how badly we 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 fared in the first half of of the next season before really um, you know finding our feet and and pulling ourselves up and then building over the next few years. And I, I think that's probably how it's going to pan out this time. 
well, you know, as I say, you know, Richie's a talented manager. Richie understands football. He understands players. He understands levels. He's got a good staff behind him. And we've got a lot of players with League One experience, but a lot of players without League One experience as well. And they've got to find their feet, you know. So, yeah, OK, we've, we're averaging a point a game at the moment. So it's not a disaster by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and I would expect that, that average figure to, to improve over the next few weeks. Um, but but it's it's unrealistic of anybody to expect us to say, well, you know, OK, we're going to... We're going to carry on averaging two points per game like we did it last season in League Two because this is a much better division. So in terms of like kind of I guess expectations, Matt, I think Nigel came out and said you know he'd be quite happy to consolidate for the next three to four years and then give it a promotion push. There was obviously a bit of a negative reaction from a minority of the fan base. I guess what what are your kind of expectations for for the next season and I guess the next couple of years then? Yeah, I would say sometime between two and four years, you know, would be realistic before we became a contender for, for, for promotion from League One. And frankly, I think anybody who disagrees with that or, or can't accept that probably is, is misunderstanding the situation to such a big extent that they're not going to be happy with the way the, the, the club develops because look, football's, football's difficult. Um, you know, there's a lot of big clubs at League, in League One. There's a lot of clubs who've been in League One for a long time. And you can't just expect to walk through, all right, every now and again somebody might do, or every now and again somebody's got 20 million quid to throw at you. But when that isn't your circumstance, then you have to build by using your strengths and by being clever and working within the, the parameters that you've got available to you. So I know that 95% of Orient fans will be who are listening to this will, will be agreeing because they'll have seen how we've done it before and seen how the division is expected to pan out with you know with teams of our sort of size so I do think you know I think the fans have been great so far and I think they understand it and it's that kind of patience understanding and togetherness that will help us build over the next two or three years to become a team that can hopefully get in towards that top six and challenging for a, for a playoff place or a promotion place to the championship. When Nigel came on the show a couple of weeks ago, um, he was urging fans to get into the ground earlier. Um, his answer caused a bit of a stir amongst the fan base, um, and a lot were, reply, re, were replying to um, us on social media saying that you know the offering was poor, the quality of the food was poor, it was expensive, and that's a lot of the reason as to why fans don't go into the ground um, earlier, notwithstanding the fact that some people, groups of friends, perhaps sit in different stands. What are your thoughts on this? And, and do you know if there are plans to change the offering at, at, uh, on, on a match day or, or to improve it or uh, vary it in any way? I mean, I think the first thing I'd say, and I'm not dodging the question, is that this is that's really a question for Mark, who's the chief exec. You know, when I was chief exec, I, I'd have been happy to answer it with specific details, but that's that's Mark and his team's job now. Okay. But I do know from 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 my own involvement that they are making changes, they are making improvements. You know, I'm I'm not one of those people who gets there at one o'clock for hospitality uh, anymore because I have other commitments on a Saturday and things like that. But I did do it for the for the uh, the Cambridge game, and I have to say the hospitality was outstanding, absolutely outstanding. You know, easily more than League One League One standard. So they are trying to improve things. There are challenges. The South Stand Bar needs updating. It is out of date. It was fine when we built it in 1999, but that was nearly a generation ago. You know, there's been improvements to the gallery on the second floor. 
Um, and obviously the East Stand and the North Stand are limited by space and in the East Stand's case by, by age for the facilities that they've got. But the operations team at the club are putting a lot of effort into improving the, the match they offering. Look, I'd, I'll perhaps take a slightly different view to Nigel because I understand from my own history with the club what it's like in and around Leighton on a match day and people enjoy going to the coaching horses or the Birkbeck or whichever is their local pub and they're creatures of habit and I get that, that football fans want to do that um, it's you know it, it, it's obviously the club wants to try to maximise the amount of revenue that it can get on a match day because that will all help the bottom line and the amount of money that can be invested in the team but I understand that there are scenarios where 20 mates meet up or a family goes to the same restaurant or, or, or whatever they do that people have done, do because that's what they've always done. I think what Nigel's trying to say is give, it, give the, the stadium offering a chance. If you haven't done so, then come and see what it's, what it's like. As I say, the hospitality has improved. The, um, you know, the, there's a lot of effort going into the match day bar. There's the, the, um, the, the fast service for the drinks opportunity now. Um, so... You know, I understand people get upset when when they hear things they don't like, but it wasn't intended to be to to you know rile the fan base up or accuse mm. them of a lack of loyalty or anything like that. It was mm. just purely a question of saying, look, guys, we're trying to maximise the amount of revenue that we can get. If you can help us out, then please do so. You mentioned your thoughts on the season earlier, Matt, and obviously it was a busy summer of uh, transfer activity at your end with quite a few outgoings and quite a few incomings. I guess, what were your views on the transfer window? Um, yeah, it was busy. Uh, I mean, look, Richie's number one thing is that it's all about players. You know, forget tactics, systems, whatever. Richie's about players. He likes to sign good players, you know. And if you look at the quality of individuals that, we, that we've brought in, I think, you, you know, you can't say that any of them are not good players. So it's a question of moulding the system, moulding the shape, getting them used to each other. In the case of players like Jordan Graham, Joe Piggott, and maybe, you know, the lads who didn't have a full pre-season and getting them up to speed. Uh, and they'll take time to mould, you know. But for, I think from what we saw yesterday was a pretty complete team performance. We had a pretty complete team performance against Cambridge. We were poor against Stevenage, but we learned a lot of lessons against Stevenage. You know, the way that they the way that they played and the way that they managed that game was something that you know we need to understand how to do. But that day, Stevenage had an average age of about twenty eight, and ours was twenty two and a half. So. I know which average age I'd rather have in my team. I'd always rather have an average age of 22 and a half because they will learn and they will be better than Stevenage will be. They just need to learn about how League One works. So if you look at two of the last three games and forget Gillingham because we were 1-0 up and, and, and fine with 11 men, you know, that just all went a bit weird the last 20 minutes or so. But if you look at two of the last three league games, the performances have actually been really good because the players are getting used to the level, used to each other uh, and used to what needs doing. And that's because Richie signed good players. There must be something about Gillingham, Matt. Yeah, it's, it's funny, when we sat down that night, we were like, oh, well, it won't be as eventful as last time we came here, will it? <laughs> and it sort of was, but fortunately it didn't matter as much. <laughs> we had a number of questions that came in uh, on social media. Dovey Bear on Twitter said, can you enlighten us as to who pays for loanee salaries? Do you, can you share any insight from your yeah, time? Yeah, I mean, it's split. You do a deal with the... You do a deal with the uh, with the with the with the parent club, you know, if it's a young lad like Shaq Ford, for example, on loan from Watford, you don't pay a huge amount because they're looking for him to go out and get experience at a good level. 
Um, if it's a player like Brandon Cooper, Idris El Mazzouni, Ed Turns, who've been out before and they're now going to be playing at a higher level than they have been before, then you contribute a, a high amount or sometimes all of their wages. So it, it can vary hugely. Great answer. Essex Biz, I guess this was covered in Nigel's interview, but I guess we'll go back to some of these questions. Um, Essex Biz asked, have we got potential investors in the pipeline that could fund us sufficiently when we get to the championships? I guess that's more of a longer-term investment question. Yeah, I mean, when you say in the pipeline, you don't really have people who are sort of sat there waiting to be told now's the time to invest. You know, it doesn't, you know, you don't sort of have somebody who's there who says, right, I'm ready to do 50 million when you get to the championship. Or anything. It doesn't kind of work like that, you know. But what you, what you do is work out the level of investment that you as an ownership group are able to contribute to the club, how you see the P&L going over the next few years and what you see as being the, 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 the position in terms of a shortfall in funding that's required. And then you work out if you need to sell some part of the club or you need to look for a new owner or anything like that. So, look, at the moment, as an ownership group, I think we feel that we are capable of funding the club in its current scenario. If we were to move up to the championship, then that might be, a, you know, there might be a time when you would look and say, um, we need some, some external investment to come in if we really want to go and compete with clubs who would have a 30,000 all-seater stadium or whatever. But you don't kind of have somebody lined up you either have somebody or you don't have somebody, you know, and, and often with these, in, in these situations as well, you use a third party. There are agents who go out there who know how to mix in those circles. And also you don't really want to sort of, it, it wouldn't look great if, 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 if as a board we came out and said, right, well, the club's up for sale. Uh, we need some money. You know, all of a sudden we look desperate. We look like we, we were struggling, you know, and that, that wouldn't be the way that you'd handle it at all. And, and by the way, that isn't the situation. I'm just giving you a hypothetical example. Yeah. Um, so you would, you would engage somebody who's, uh, who, who's an expert in that field if, if you needed to. I don't know how much you can, how well you can answer the next question that's come in from L Hayward, but um, he asks, have the, club, have the club had any offers to buy the club? I think that meant to say no. have the board. No? Okay. No, we haven't. No. No. Uh, Paul Ravens39 has got a hypothetical question, again, around the ground. So, again, I'm aware for anyone listening who listens to this podcast constantly, and Nigel did go into this in, in quite a lot of detail two weeks ago, but... I guess we'll ask as it came in. Paul Raven said, if we do end up moving to a new ground, and obviously if Matt is still part of the club, as this could be decades down the line, it seems that Leighton doesn't really have any suitable sites. What sort of places are under consideration as potential locations? I think at the moment there isn't anywhere specific that is under consideration. I think it's a, it's a, it's a very accurate point to say that Leighton probably doesn't have any suitable sites. Um, you know, I mean, people talk about Spitalfields or Eaton Manor or whatever's happening over that part of Hackney Marshes now. There's nowhere there that would be suitable or allowable to build a, a new stadium. You know, it, one thing we are 100% committed to is that Lake Norrient is an East London football club and, and is based in the London Borough Waltham Forest, you know, so that would be our absolute priority. Um, you know, you're not talking about uh, an MK Dons type type scenario. But there has been no real movement towards identifying potential sites or anything like that. Because, frankly, the amount of money that would be needed to build... You know, in, in, in the old days, and by the old days I mean 20 years ago, you used to, you used to say that it was a million pounds per thousand seats was roughly the ballpark figure to build a new stadium. Well, I think you can treble or quadruple that figure now because of the way the building costs are and, and just generally the, the cost of materials and labour and everything like that. It's a huge amount of money. It's an astronomical amount of money. You know, if we were to go out and say we want to build a 15,000, 18,000 seat stadium, 
we would have to win the Euro Millions. Each of us would probably have to win the Euro Millions. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's uh, it's not something that, although we we might say medium to long term, is something that we see as being a chance for the club to grow to the next level. It's not something where we're saying right. Well, we found a twenty acre load of field somewhere that we can build a stadium on and we're ready to, to, to start putting a, a shovel in the ground. You know, it's not it's not in that situation. Lord Griff asked, can you ask Matt if he would like to see the return of Golden Goal in the Football League trophy? <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference to a commentary faux pas I made 20 years ago when I didn't realise that our game at Dagenham and Redbridge was being decided by Golden Goal and when Dagenham scored, I commented that it would be difficult for Orient to find their way back into the game. Particularly <laughs> as most of the players seem to be leaving the field. <laughs> I knew that was an in-joke, we just didn't know so how or where. Excellent, uh, excellent. No, I think that was Neil Irvin, isn't it? Well done, yeah. Neil. Very good. Yeah, yeah good question. We had a question from Stephen good Orient. Lad. He's a good lad. No, yeah. Tell him if he's uploaded those videos I sent him the other week for his YouTube channel. Done. I hope you're talking about football uh, videos there, Matt, but I guess... Uh, <laughs> well, we'll move I, on. I don't know what you're talking about, but his, his YouTube channel's full of football videos, most <laughs> Orient one, so take a long hard look at yourself there mate this is a family show Stephen Orion uh, has a question kind of about your future Matt says does Matt expect to be a director long term and is he likely to take on more at the O's am I likely to take on more what sorry more at the football club uh, I don't think so no I mean I, 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 I'm, I'm happy to remain a director for as long as I'm required and, and, and it can have a positive impact on, on things I like to think I do where I'm needed at the moment, I you know I have a good working relationship with with a, a people at the club: Martin, Richie, Mark, Ravi, the new commercial uh, manager, George and Tom in the media department. You know, Lindsay, Ada, Lucy. You know, the list goes on. I've, I know these guys. I've known you know known them for as long as they've been at the, at the football club, and I help where I can, um, and I will be happily to, happy to stay around where I'm needed uh, for for as long as I'm needed. So, um, so yeah, cool. Better Later Never says, who has excited you most so far from the new batch of recruits? Um, that's a good question. I would say probably Ethan Galbraith and Jordan Graham, but that's not to put down any of the others. You know, I thought, I thought Joe Piggott was excellent yesterday. Uh, and by the way, if I call Joe Piggott Sam Piggott at any point, that's because Sam Piggott is Joe's brother and used to work with us at Matchroom. Ah. Um, so I have made that mistake already. But okay. yeah, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think you know, as I said, I think we've signed some good players. We haven't seen much of Max Sanders, but I think he's a, he's a talented player. It's great to have Idris and and, and Ed turns back. Um, you know, I think the, the keepers will be good and we'll give each other good competition for the, for that starting spot. So no, I think um, I think we've signed some good footballers. We had a few questions come through on the forum. Uh, first one was about streaming. So it says, can Matt explain how the split of the money works in streaming? For example, does the home club keep all the subscriptions for the game in question? And secondly, how will it work in future? Is Sky going to have the rights to everything it would seem from the last tender? Oh, I'd need to have some notes in front of me here. The home club does not keep everything. There is a split. Um, there's some money that goes to the provider, some money to the league. I think the away club gets something as well. You probably have to direct that one to Mark. I haven't got anything, anything in front of me with the, with the thing on it, but the revenue's definitely split. Um, and yeah, in future, I think Sky will be centralising the the offering and probably producing an app which delivers all thirty six or however many matches um, are, are streamed over a weekend. Um, you know, all in one place. So I would expect to see that going forward. 
Um, our fresco on the forum said, since Rich has been here, is there still a committee in charge of the incoming transfers or has that now changed? There's never been a committee in charge of the incoming transfers. The incoming transfers and outgoing transfers are the responsibility of Martin and the manager. And then there's a committee who Martin and the manager talk to and we talk about the money. Can we afford the player? We talk about the player's background, his injury record, his disciplinary record, his social media conduct, his personal life, uh, all of those sort of things. And then um, they sign the players who, who, you know, who, who come out of that conversation. But there isn't... It's not like Nigel, Kent, myself, whoever. We don't, Mark, we don't sit down and say, right, go and sign Joe Smith from Dog and Duck FC. It doesn't work like that. They come, they, they know who they want to sign. And they say, this is who we want to sign. This is why we want to sign him. And unless we turn around and say, well, he's only got one leg or he's been sent off 68 times in the last two years, they sign him or we can't afford him. Then we sign him. So please don't be under any misconceptions that there is a committee at the football club who decides which players are signed. There isn't. The players that are signed are the players that the football department, the football management want to sign. I'd say that's probably the clearest answer to that question that I've heard uh, in the last couple of years. So thank you for that one, Matt. And hopefully that uh, gets rid of the transfer committee question uh, no problem. forever. Uh, last question from the forum was about Stephen Alzate, saying obviously he wasn't transferred as we'd hoped for, but do we get anything from his season-long loan to standard age? Bearing in mind his contract with Brighton ends next summer. It does end, but they have got an option to extend it. So our understanding is that they will look to exercise that option in order to preserve their ability to get a fee for him if they were to sell him. So, yes, it was slightly disappointing he wasn't sold because we would have been due a little windfall from that. But nevertheless, I still think we are relatively protected um, for at least the next 12 months. Great. It'd be a shame if he did leave for a freeze. Um, it, would, it would be a shame, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I often think of Ollie Watkins, but yeah, it would be a, it would be a shame. Um, that's all the questions that we have, Matt, actually. So it just leaves us really just finally to thank you very much for, for coming on tonight and, and sparing us some of your evening. Much much appreciated. And just My to pleasure. ask you just for a message for the O's fans out there for the, you know, that are listening to this and, and you know, for the rest of the season. Uh, look, I think I think the support's been great. You know, I know the results haven't been sensational, um, but I think the fact that mo- most people understand that this is a learning curve for the football club. We're back in League One for the first time in pretty much a decade. We've got a lot of people in and around the club who are either in League One for the first time or back in League One for the first time in a long time. And what we've been, you know, what we got served up last year was was absolutely remarkable. You know, to be top of the table since. October and and win it really not at a canter but with breathing space you know was a luxury that a club like ours don't really get that often so we all enjoyed that but let's not forget about that and um, you know turn it turn into a problem um, you know straight away just because we've had a couple of results that we, that we didn't like you know everybody's pulling in the right direction everybody can see that the club is on a journey to try and get to the championship we have not been in the championship since 1982. You know, over four years. So it's not the sort of thing that we can just turn on and turn off. It's something we've got to build towards. We've been very, very close once before. Let's see if we can get very, very close again. You know, everybody's everybody understands, or the vast, vast majority of people understand that. And there's always going to be some people who are a little bit impatient or just just 
plainly don't understand how football works and and you know i see the messages the same as anybody else and unfortunately some people are too far gone to even be educated on that front now so you just ignore them but everybody the 95 percent of people who understand it you know we, we know what good supporters you are. Look at the number that travelled to Exeter yesterday, the number that travelled up to Blackpool. You know, long, long journeys, expensive journeys, people giving up their weekends for the football club and doing so in a positive spirit. You know, we've got a great manager, we've got great players, we've got a really strong, dedicated backroom staff who are doing their best to move the club forward. Trust me, I've seen the good and the bad, right? And I'm telling you now, we've got the good. So let's all keep pulling in the same direction. We will get there. Might take you a little bit longer than you want, but we will get there. So let's just keep let's just keep moving forward together. So that was O's director Matt Porter. Massive thank you for Matt uh, for joining us uh, for that period of time. Thought we gave some great answers. Obviously, there's a few questions that we got that we didn't ask, mostly for the fact that we asked Nigel those two weeks ago, and things like training ground or, or Again, the ground to some respects wouldn't change the club's direction in, in two weeks. So if you didn't ask a question, apologies, but always a pleasure to have Matt on the show. And thanks to George and uh, Tom at the club for sorting that one out. A hundred percent. So let's move on then to the supporters club with an update for them. Coaches are off to Peterborough next Saturday, the 16th of September. They'll depart the ground at 11 o'clock. Cost for that is £28 for adults, 25 year concessions, under 15s travel for £14. And obviously remember those prices don't include your match day ticket. So you'll need to phone 07507. 539579 to book yourself onto that coach. It isn't far away, but they are running. Uh, nonetheless, I think there's probably likely to be rail strikes or something like that. So if you do get stuck and you need help getting there, the supporters club are the people for you. Lovely stuff. So let's move on into the week that was at the O's. Happy Monday, 4th of September. And as the kids were going back to school, former O's Loney. And topic of discussion on last week's episode, Kieran Sadlier signed for Wickham, bringing to an end any chance of him returning to the O's. So obviously you said you weren't interested in taking him back. You probably yeah. would. And I said I would have given him a year. I think he's got a two-year at Wickham. So yeah. I think we just move on from that one. Absolutely right. To Huey Tuesday, the 5th of September, the FA put out a statement regarding Richie Wellens' sending off against Wickham and his subsequent appeal. It turned out that Richie would not be permitted. He lost that and it would not be permitted to be on the touchline for the Gillingham game, which happened on Tuesday and we're about to cover, and also for yesterday's game at Exeter City. So he has now served his two-game touchline ban and I think he also had to pay £1,500. Um, yeah. Alright, let's move done. on. Also on Tuesday, as you all know, like Paul mentioned, it was time to go back to Gillingham in the EFL Trophy Group stage. So the team was announced at 6pm with Bryn in goal, Galbraith, Cooper, Beckles and Hunt at the back with Prattley, Sanders and Monaco in midfield with Ford, Pegram and Piggott making up the 11. On the bench we had Howes, James, Elmazuni, Graham, Obiero, Archibald, that's a two Yeah, absolutely. So that meant that Richie Wellens made eight changes to the side that started on Saturday. Uh, and for me, I think there's a lot of changes. Uh, and, and invariably, uh, while they've all been training together, uh, playing together in a kind of real-life match situation is very different. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. I'm not expecting a positive outcome from this. Too many changes for me. A lot of changes, though, but a strong team on paper. It's like your first choice keeper. It's two experienced centre-backs in Cooper and Beckles. Pretty decent midfield. Prattley Sanders, Moncur and Piggott, who's, for me, the first choice number nine. So I looked at it and thought, yeah, lots of changes, but... A decent 11, who I probably have faith to go to a lower league team, 
um, further down pyramid and get a result. Mm. Lots of views on this one. We're just going to mention two. Billy KLGB. It's nice to see us taking the EFL trophy seriously. Nice to see Pegram getting the start he deserves. Yeah, good good point because he had a very good uh, um, pre-season. So yeah, absolutely. Now's a good time to, to let him have a go. Although Gillingham has strengthened very, very positively um, during the summer and they've had a very good start to their life uh, this season in, in League 2 so it was never going to be an easy game Len N4 said I'm actually not against this team it gives some much needed minutes towards a settled core of players Okay, doke so we're going to cover this one briefly as we always do with the EFL trophy we took the lead uh, after 43 minutes after George Monker's curling shot from the edge of the box hit the post and then hit the diving keeper Glenn Morris deflected into net to make it 1-0 and then 2 minutes later Brandon Cooper picked up a yellow card as the O's went in 1-0 up at the break yeah a couple of tweets that came in at half time one from better later never said I'm look- liking the look of Brandon Cooper and Pegram's played well too yeah Orient Meat Pies are looking good so far just need to be a bit more clinical around the 18 yard box and it would be great for Pickett's confidence if he could bag a goal well the second half kicked off with no subs for the O's and Charlie Pegram went close in the 56th minute but this shot went just over the bar and four minutes later Ethan Galbraith was booked for time wasting. If you think the refs having a field day already, get ready. 62nd minute in big moment in the match. I think the turning point as Shaq yeah. Ford was showing a straight red card for tussling with his man and the ref pulled out a red card to give him his marching orders. Now I think we've all seen that one. I don't get it. Never a red for me. I don't even think it's close to being a yellow let alone a red. I think the problem with it is is if you watch it right at the end of the clip I think he raises an arm as if he's elbowing the guy. Yeah. Uh, they're both wrestling uh, but I think it's just his... If he'd have just not done that, I don't think he would have got anything for it. If anything, worst case, it's two yellows. One for them, one for us, and we just move on. But the referee took, took a different issue to that, and he doesn't have the benefit of watching the replays live in a match. And he thought it was violent conduct, I assume. So he got a red. I'm sure, you know, I hate playing devil's advocate, but just, just to play the other side of the coin, I'm sure that's probably why he did it. I don't agree with it, but I'm pretty sure that's, okay, interesting. that's probably why he did it. Sol Brin made a great save a minute later from a Johnny Williams volley uh, as he tipped the ball over the bar. Yeah, good save there. And then 10 men became 9 men shortly after when Brandon Cooper received a straight red card for a stamp on XO McCauley Bond in the 65th minute and with Paul Terry and Matt Howard also receiving yellow cards for protesting in their technical area. Yeah, at first glance, I thought the referees absolutely lost the plot here. It's a cup game. For me, I thought Brandon was actually just stumbling around because of the way that that coming together had happened. But actually, again, if you watch that back, it does look like he has a little stamp on Macca. So, I don't know. On reflection, I think he might have called that one right as well. The first red, I need to go back because I didn't see the elbow. The second red, I don't need to go back he stamps on him, which is idiotic of Brandon Cooper. That one's a straight red. And of course, McCauley Bond milks it for all it's worth, like any good centre forward will do. So McCauley's like on the floor, moving around, rolling around in agony. Clear stamp. It's not even It's not even not blatant. It's a clear stamp. So yeah, very silly uh, for Cooper on his debut uh, as well. I think he was just frustrated because he was trying to shadow the ball out. Bond has kind of nicked it, tucked it around him and he's gone. And I think Cooper's just seen red and stamped on him so really disappointing there so down to nine men triple sub for the O's in the 68th minute so Tiriu Archibald and Tom James came on and off went Joe Piggott John, George Monker and Charlie Pegram and then a fourth sub shortly after in the 74th minute as Idris El came on 
to replace Rob Hunt. I mean, these are all good players coming. There's probably players who Richie probably didn't, or Paul, didn't probably want to bring on. But obviously, given the circumstances of nine men and how mm-hmm. physically tough that will be in his heat as well, yeah, probably having to bring on players who they didn't want to bring on. Yeah, against, uh, yeah, yeah uh, for nine men as well. 78 minutes now on the clock. Gillingham won a penalty as Mahoney nutmeg Theo Archibald then went down in the box from a challenge from El Mizuni. Che Alexander stepped up. Since I'll bring the wrong way from the spot and made it one all. Unfortunately, no complaints. Blaze. For me, it's an easy penalty yeah, to make. Don't Elvis disagree. gets it all wrong. And that Mahoney um, was having a field day uh, on their right, our left. So, while well, waiting for the restart, for, yeah, Archibald appeared to be booked, picking up his normal yellow card. <laughs> Standard yellow for the Standard yellow. It's yeah. coming later as well. So, yeah. Gillingham took the lead though in the 83rd minute after Mahoney again drove into our box down our right, knocked it past Tom James with ease, then beat Theo Archibald, hooked it back from the byline, crossed the face of goal and Omar Beckles, as he tried to clear it, got it all wrong and ended up putting it into his own net to make it 2-1 to Gillingham. Omar Beckles having one of those seasons at the moment where nothing goes quite right for him. Saying that, obviously Beckles gets all the criticism from a, a lot of the fan base. However... Awful defending to let Mahoney get to the stage and into the position where he was. He literally just goes past Tom James, who just stops running. Like, literally just stops. And then Theo could do better against him as yeah, well. So, although Beckles gets the criticism, I think Tom James, who Archibald, needs to look at himself a bit more. Totally should have agree. Done more to stop that happening. 100%. We, did, we defend from the front. If it's got to the defence, it's meant that we've fouled in the passages of play that have led up to that. And if Omar doesn't touch that ball, I think there's a man Tapping. over his shoulder ready. So he's damned if he did and he's damned if he didn't in yeah. that. It was a no-win uh, there for him. Shame. But it wasn't over. The last action of the game, there was a great opportunity to level the game after Idris El Mazzouli intercepted a pass high up the pitch. This was brilliant play. Ruel picked up the ball. Fed Elmi's back through on goal, but his shot was well saved by former Orient keeper Glenn Morris. The ball came back out to Ruel, who controlled the ball, left the defender on the floor as he feigned his shot, and with the goal at his mercy, he blazed over from just inside the box. For me, he's done all the hard work. He should have taken the glory and scored that. He's done, all the, he's done, all, he's done all the hard work beautifully. Yeah, Find and his... the easiest bit, which is scoring... He's missed. Feigned his man, brilliant, left his man yeah. on the floor, done really well. I mean, great counter-attack from the Ozair, but should have scored that. I think, you know, I think Royal knows he should have scored that. And if he scores that tool and you go penalty shootout, well, anything can happen. But it went over the bar. Nine minutes of additional time were played. No further action to talk about the full-time whistle win as the nine-man O's were defeated in that opening EFL trophy game 2-1. Obviously, Paul Terry was on the bench making the calls and obviously he had done the post-match interview with David that's currently available he summarised the game really well and was quite honest in his assessment spoke about the disciplinary record as well and obviously talked about him getting a book in and about how we're getting a book in so good interview there we're not going to play because obviously that was on Tuesday that's still up on the club's YouTube channel in case anyone hasn't seen it and wants to go back and watch that one absolutely I thought we played well at times um, particularly in the first half and especially uh, when we had 11 men on the pitch, I thought Tom James at fault for their second. Could Omar have done better? But I think I'm just being uh, picky with Omar. I th- you know, it's difficult um, enough. But, um, you know, talking points from this game, obviously with the two red cards, Ford for me was probably a yellow for each player, as I said before. I think I'm pretty sure Shaq lashed out at the guy, so maybe that's why he got the red, as I said earlier. Cooper's is, you could possibly dispute that. But, you know, 
it did look like a stamp. So for me, I don't really have much of an issue there. And it just seems to be that we have a bit of a disciplinary issue at the moment and it's going to cost us. I remember racking up the yellow cards, was it maybe last season or maybe the season before where we were getting book, booking after booking after booking. And I remember saying on one of one of the shows that if we don't sort it out, it's going to be they're going to build up to a point where we're going to have three or four players out for suspension because they've all picked up the amount of cards that you need to uh, cards to to, to, to miss a game so yeah um, need to sort that out thankfully I think those uh, cards only count in in that tournament yeah, so they, they do. don't carry yeah. forward obviously they do because Brandon Cooper played yesterday yes. yeah you're right um, so that, that's good but as a general point we, we do need to sort ourselves out we do I mean I kept this really short and sweet I mean I'm not so fussed about the competition obviously love to go to Wembley and see us win it but at this stage not really fussed I was never really fussed about going to Gillingham whereas if it was a league game I probably would have made more of an effort to go or whatever but would have been nice to get a win just disappointing I guess the way the game turns out mm. I guess if Ford did lead with an elbow that I again, need to go back and watch oh, he just lashes that's on him right yeah. that is a red in Cooper is a red so we've kind of self-destructed disappointing so if we don't self-destruct we should win now we probably go on to win that quite yeah. easily um, also I've got to say last year Lady, Lady Luck shone her bright light upon us and things went our way like I guess we spoke about quite a lot on the podcast last season this season seems at this point anyway or the point on Tuesday was that our luck was just going against us cheeky stamps that sometimes you might get away with not getting away with Beckles probably nine times out of ten he probably gets the ball over the bar but obviously scores an own goal this time obviously we spoke about his own goal against Portsmouth a couple of weeks ago which was an still contending for goal this season because I don't know how he's put it into the top bins from where how he has. Mm. But do you know what I mean? Like, it just felt like the luck had been against us again. So, yeah. Uh, we had a lot of views in for this we one. Did. Considering this was an EFL trophy game. Considering that no one cares about. We've covered it briefly. There was a lot to talk about in that one. A lot happened and there were a lot, a lot of views that come into us. There were. And just because we read them, it doesn't mean that we agree with them. A lot are in there for balance and people's right to have an opinion whether we agree with it Absolutely. Or not, Casey Adams, LOFC, kicked us off this week. He said, eight games, 29, sorry, 26 yellow cards, five reds, including um, Wellens and Terry. What is going on? That is quite a lot when you see it. It's alarming. Kind of written down. When you see it in bare, bare numerical facts, yeah. Black and white, yeah. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Johnny Epper said, the game has quite frankly gone. It's a pattern forming, and even our goal demonstrates that VAR is needed across the board, not just in the sports entertainment sector of the EPL. Referee in the game once again, and I don't think I've ever been this infuriated. We played excellently up to that point, and Cooper sent off for two incidents that were free kicks at best. I'm not quite sure what the point of Shacks, but that also seemed ridiculous. Can't even complain, as we'll get punished further. The EFL have become despotic. So very angry Johnny Epstein. Very angry. Very uh, good use of English there, Mr Epstein. Paul Skinner, <laughs> 88, said, The first red is a shambolic decision and changes the game. Beckles is a liability at the moment. The rest, well, it's typical Orient. Daniel underscore D44 says, Clearly our discipline is poor, but that was a shocker from the ref. Cooper, well, maybe, but there was nothing in forwards one. Looked like he just shrugged off their player. 49 players battled well. But stupid how we got into that position. Matty, yeah. Matty LOC Evans said, red cards ruin the game. Shax wasn't a red at all. The referees had a nightmare with that decision and we can't keep a lead with nine men no matter which team you are. Luck isn't on our side and it's worrying how orient things are around the club. No panicking yet. Mark Ross, 636-89-509. Said other teams look well drilled, more energetic and disciplined. Starts at the top 
and how two lone players who are desperate to impress can get red cards is beyond me. Dave M one eight one two said, "I won't comment on tonight's game because I didn't watch it. However, I can't remember a season where so much has gone against us so early. We are consi- we are consolidating this season, and despite the problems, I've seen enough that we will be okay. Don't panic and believe in Richie." Great, sweet. That could have easily been the final word there. Orient boy says, "Ill discipline starts at the top. You set standards for others to follow. Promise of the team is huge in early August, and now self implosion, ragbag of footballers." Enough in competition in which we put out a strong team and get beaten by a league suicide with an own goal and two plays sent off. We have lost the plot and Omar, is it time to call it a day? I feel that's a bit harsh. A bit harsh. A bit harsh there. Orient Fan TV said lost that game due to the red cards and red cards only in complete control before that and would have won it. Everyone on Beckles is back again due to the own goal, but the question is, what would they have done in that situation? If he'd left it, it was a tap-in anyway. Satoru has to score as well. Again, being more clinical at either end, we're not doing the, the, the basics of that, right? You know, If Ruel scores at the other end, we're talking about a draw that we've got with nine men and how brilliant we are. Great yeah, points there from Luke Wallace, RM1. says Ruel has got to score as the same on Saturday. Too many games where we think the refereeing world is against us. They have been poor, but we have to keep our heads. Good point there, obviously, alluding to Satoru misses that clinical finish last Saturday in Stevenage at 0-0. Obviously, mm. if he scores, it's a different game. Mm. Obviously, has that chance against Gillingham in the last minute, puts it over, which would have potentially Beat. taken that game to penalties. So, mm. two defining moments. Obviously, Roy has another defining moment, which goes mm. for him on Saturday. But good point. I guess what... If you were ill, I guess the positive you will take from that is that you're getting yourself into those positions. So now it's yeah, all about great. him finishing. I think that's probably what might hold his career back is his clinicalness, if that's such a word, in yeah. front of goal. You're right, absolutely bang on. I mean, I'm a big fan of Ruel because he does. He's he's like that kid in the playground in your school yeah. group that just didn't pass to anyone, that just did things well and just scored goals to help the team win. And that, that kind of selfishness that I quite like about him because sometimes it's all well and good playing lovely football but if you're not scoring goals you're going to lose games playing nice football what's the point yeah. he's, the, he's the kid that's going to just be selfish head down and just strike and, and, and that's what happened against Exeter to an extent it opened up in front of him as he said and he's just taking the shot and beating Gary Woods um, and he's that type of player you need however what he also needs to work on is the finishing side of it because yes he is getting those chances he is getting that into those spaces and getting those opportunities but if you're not taking them you might as well not be there absolutely I know it's a chicken and egg situation you've got to be in it to win it and you've got to be in those positions but somehow he's just got to be a little bit more clinical and I think that's probably what might hold him back from being a top top player but I, I'm a fan I always have wax lyrical about him because I think he's got something that we don't that not many clubs have in that selfishness. Yep. Uh, Glenn Gatti said, if we know the officiating is so poor, why keep getting involved in situations that allow the referees to make a decision? Need to play a lot smarter. Great point. We're giving referees a decision to make. They're not making the decisions because they want to. We've given them that to make. Great point. New Twitter handle on me, Glenn Gatti, and a great point Welcome. made. Steve Forecast, been the penultimate tweet on this one, said, we've got to sort out the discipline from the manager down. Every plan falls apart when we are in control of our emotions. <laughs> Refs will be good. Refs will be bad. They only get a chance to be either if we let them. Very good tweet from Steve. Very uh, philosophical there. But the final word this week goes to Richard J. Ball, who said he watched the game, and to be fair, with 11 men, we looked good. The first sending off was a joke. The second one would need to see again. A weak penalty and an unlucky own goal. We had nine men 
but could have nicked it near the end. Ruel should have buried it. Discipline is a problem, but the ref was poor. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for all your tweets, post Shinningham. Like we said, a busy one after an EFL trophy group game. And we also had a busy one in the Prediction League update. So well done to 1965 AC 1881. To Ed Turns, not the player, but the celebrity uh, self-named, well, not self-named, a duplicated named fan who sent into a bit of a Twitter celebrity. Yeah. So well done to Ed. And hope you, well, I know you listen now to the podcast, Ed. So hope you're having a good Monday morning. Spen 011 Greaves 67, Furlong LOFC, Save Hand 00, Walla Ad, and Lenchin Chin 1, who all predicted a 2 1 defeat. So get three points. And the top of the Prediction League table update will follow at the end of this episode. Yeah, Wednesday and Thursday, the 6th and 7th of September, were quiet. So let's move on to Friday the 8th. Let's do it then. So the young O's are in action. Uh, friendly against Tottenham Hotspur. Good, no good opposition there. We went behind in the 36th minute as the first half finished 1-0 to Spurs. However, we equalised in the 72nd minute as St. Louis made a driving run to the byline. He picked out Carter, who struck the ball towards goal. It was blocked. The ball fell to Divine Samuel, who knocked the ball in to the back of the net to make it one all. That goal was up on the LOFC Academy Twitter feed. Nice little finish there yeah, from nice. Divine Samuel. However, Spurs scored a late goal in the 83rd minute to win the game 2-1. Unlucky there to the young goals. Good, com- good competition against Tottenham. Yeah, Eve. category. Yes, excuse me, category one uh, academy as well. So no shame in that at all. They acquitted themselves very well. Uh, and that was a good goal. Um, our player, Ed Turns, <laughs> uh, just to be uh, distinctive about this, was an unused substitute for the Wales under-21 squad in their 4-0 home win over Liechtenstein. Lovely pronunciation there, bearded legende. So let's move on to the weekend. In Saturday, 9th of September, two birthdays on Saturday. First up, happy birthday to O's goalkeeping coach, Simon Royce. And also very happy 80th birthday to XO's manager and promotion winner, Frank Clark. Happy, happy birthday, birthday Jen. Happy to do Yeah, happy birthday to you both. So the main event of the day was Exeter City away. And as always on a Thursday evening before the game, we run a Twitter poll to see how you think we'll get on. And after a whopping and mind-blowing 614 votes, the draw, um, 17% thought we'd um, draw the game, 21% um, thought we'd win, and a massive, fairly, 62% thought we'd lose. So yeah. thanks to everyone who voted. Yeah, these Twitter poll results are amazing because I don't think many have been right at all this season. There was a massive, overwhelming majority saying we'd beat Stevenage and then there was a, quite an overwhelming majority saying we would lose. So, yeah, yeah, I love it. We always do that. Keep your eyes peeled. So our Twitter account on Thursdays at 6pm for the Saturday prediction. So at 2 o'clock, the team was announced with Bryn in goal, uh, with Tom James, Omar Beckles, Brandon Cooper... Idris Elmazuni, Darren Prattley, George Monker, Theo Archibald, Jordan Graham, Ralph Satu, and Joe Piggott making up the 11. And on the bench, we had Howes, Hunt, Sweeney, Brown, Galbraith, Sanders, and Shaq Ford. Yeah, so that meant there was a vastly change side from the starting 11 against uh, Stevenage last week. Exeter had two former Orient players in their side in goalkeeper Gary Woods and also midfielder Tom Carroll, who you may remember was on loan to us from Spurs around the same time as a certain now England captain um, as well. I think Gary Woods, if I'm not mistaken, was understudy to Alex Chisak uh, when uh, we had him at the club, which I think was... Hey, you're going uh, back away now, mate. You're yeah, going back about ten. six, seven, no, not ten. Uh, good, like, seven or eight years. He signed yeah. with, uh, along with Adam... 
Lechtins. Lechtins, and they fought out for number one. Yeah, yeah so you're oh, absolutely right. Adam right. Lechtins, not Alex Jissak. Yeah, yeah. So, your cool. views in, Mr. Levy, when you saw that uh, team sheet at 2 pm? Yeah, Richie's learnt from the last game um, that what we need is experience heads in the side as well as uh, the youth. Uh, youthfulness of it all uh, for me decent on paper a question mark obviously where's Dan Happy um, what's happened to him uh, why is he not starting uh, and another strong bench with game changers on there as well uh, very pleased a vastly more experienced side than last week I yeah. think it's fair to say a team who won't be bullied I mean technically you could say it might be a weaker team than the 11 but players back in the fold like Beckles Monker Piggott big opportunity for them to get their seasons back yeah. on track you know yeah. so Really good. Also look at the bench, packed with central midfielders and also very good, very positive to see young Jaden Sweeney back on the bench. It's been a while since he made yeah, the squad. Concussion. So, saw that. The only thing I kind of thought when I looked at it, I couldn't work out the formation. I was like, right, does that mean Theo is in a back, part of the back four? Is Jordan Graham going to play as a wing back? Is it three at the back? Is it five in midfield? I think it left a lot of those fans asking questions. I guess that will come on to because there was a big, big... Uh, yeah. reaction to this not a bad thing because if we're guessing you can imagine that Exeter are guessing as well <laughs> yeah. so I think credit to Richie like keepers keep people guessing because then that way they can't play yeah. how, how uh, they would expect to play so we had an awful lot of, of um, comments and views about that lineup. Wilco 300 got us started by saying not impressed Beckles and Moncur and Moncur sorry don't deserve to start well one of our best performers in Galbraith is on the bench Lewis for underscore says why no happy Apart from this, I think it's a decent 11. I like Piggott. He needs time, but I think we can nick a point here or three. Well, you must have had a real prophecy there, mate. PM31970 said, players who shouldn't be starting just shows how poor the squad balance is. Monker and Piggott have done nothing to justify starting. Beckles is only starting because there's nobody else, but he doesn't deserve to Ooh, start. Angry Paul down at 2 o'clock. Phil VZ1 So like Darren Prattley coming back in. Sets the tone. Always prefer Jordan Brown to be starting. Big test for Monker, though. He simply has to deliver a big game. Yeah, our Coral1972 said the team selection is a head-scratcher. There's no Galbraith who has been one of our better players and possibly Theo in defence, since Richie doesn't have a clue what team to pick from one week to the next. I disagree with that because I think the whole point is, is it's, it's based on who's available and what formation he can play with the players who are available. And also I think it's good to keep the opposition guessing. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't think he's found his best, ele- his strongest eleven as a team collective. Which he can't until yeah. Aggie comes back. Absolutely, but I think it'll take him a while. I mean, obviously, after a three-nil defeat in the league, you're obviously going to change it up. Where I think Matt Port alluded to, and we alluded to it last week, what the average age of that team was twenty-two and a half years old. Where that's just not going to work when you're up against bigger players. So I fully expected the changes that come in. And yeah, you know, like, there's nothing in my eyes wrong with bringing on a young Galbraith who can run at a defence on the 70th minute, 60th minute stuff. Sanders as well. So kind of expected that. Adam and PK up and stuff. So good to have Prattley back. His experience is so, va- is so valuable. And I think we spoke about Prattley maybe a bit a few other ways when he wasn't kind of in that team last week. Because obviously he's been there, done it, worn the shirt. If someone starts him in the centre midfield, he's going to start on the back. Like He won't be intimidated. Mm. Yeah, agree. Paul Redrum said, with all the changes in the team, it shows you Wellens hasn't a clue what his best team is. Just two games ago, we were superb. This team will get nothing from Exeter. I hope I'm wrong. I also, at the same point, I think I criticised Richie for not kind of thinking about what your position are going to do as well. So he might have looked at the opposition and gone, actually, I think I know a team that can beat this if we go through a more physical presence. So 
that might have affected his viewing of the team. That's a good point about Exeter because they had two players that had got called up for international yep. duty, plus they had several injured, which I wasn't aware of. So they were desiccated as well. But again, you play who's in front of Absolutely. you. They've done their transfer business so and they're top of the league, so they're obviously not doing too bad. But I think they'd lost the core nucleus of players. Yeah, I mean, Gary Woods, third choice keeper, from what I understand. So good time to play. Yeah, fantastic time to play. And Cheers, last Gal. tweet <laughs> on this one went to Lynch and Chin one. So top of the table works as a, a team to reckon with. So no silly cards, no easy giveaways, a pacey game, peak discipline and clinical deliveries. Goals are a must and the danger men, a striker at Muski and Jack Fitzwater went on to say, good luck lads. I'm sure Len Chin Chin is a football manager because he gives like the team talk on the team yeah. tweet before it starts yeah, every week. Absolutely. Thank you then. So the match kicked off in a hot, very hot and sunny Devon afternoon with the O's looking to cause a bit of a shock and beat top of the table the City away for the first time in 22 years and it, over 22 years and it was almost the perfect start in the sunshine. In the fifth minute, Omar Beckles got his head onto a corner from close range but his effort bounced over the crossbar. He should have scored that. Last season that goes in. Exactly what I'm talking about with the luck. Last season, that flyers into that. I mean, I think that was... We're going to speak about quite a few big misses in the first half. I think that was probably the hardest because of the speed of the ball. It yeah. really happened so fast. And Beckers as well to react to it. But last season, that flies into the top corner of the net. Yeah. We go in the league. This season, it hits the bar and doesn't go in. Yeah. Unlucky Omar. Yeah. Uh, so, let's go on in and move on with that one. More pressure followed from the O's. I think it's fair to say we started this one really well. Got yeah. right on top of them. Big chance in the 19th minute. As Jordan Graham's back post cross ricocheted back across the face of the goal... Came to Royal Satori and it looked easy to score, but somehow he turned the ball wide from two yards out. Again, well done, Royal, for getting into that position. He anticipates yeah. that happening as well. Yep. Come on, he should score. Yeah, I agree. Should from score. two yards out, just attack. Use your left foot. It's not just for standing on. Use your left foot. Just toe poke. It doesn't have to be pretty. Just get it over the line. It hasn't got to be. No one will remember you for scoring that pretty goal. It's just people remember that you scored the goal and put us, put us ahead. That yeah, early. That's good. That would have been a bigger talking point, I think, had he not popped up late in the game to get the winner. Because you can look back now, and I'm only kind of piecing it together now, but that's three big misses in the last three games yeah. without scoring a goal. Yeah. So we can laugh about it now because we all know what happens in the 92nd minute, but Absolutely. big chance they're gone. Well, let's not get that far ahead because we're just <laughs> going to go to the 20th minute now. Exeter had their first chance. Sol Brin saved Mitchell's shot to turn the ball away for a corner, and the match was paused for two minutes uh, sorry the match was paused two minutes later for a water break 28th minute then George Moncur did well as he retained the ball he fed El Mazzuni on the edge of the box his shot was on target but Gary Woods done well to make a good save as he pushed the ball out for a corner which came to nothing there. yeah George Moncur fired over on the half hour mark so you can see really it's it's all been us in the first half hour so far yeah for the most part 34th minute in a vital piece of defending from Brandon Cooper as he took the ball away from Cox as he was looking to bundle the ball in from a rebound. Yeah, two minutes later, the ball scrambled about in the Exeter box. Ruel Soteriu's goal-bound header was put out for another corner that an unmarked Brandon Cooper headed over from just two yards out. Again, anyone watching this live on the stream or listening would just be like ripping their hair up. For me, Cooper should score that. That's an easier chance than Beckles' one because he's completely unmarked and the ball's coming to him slower and I think he he knows it's going to come to his head. So, again, last Mm. season, hits his head goes in mm. this season over the bar so disappointing and you're sitting there thinking 
now what's going to happen here? Mm. Now what's going to happen? Yeah, absolutely. Two minutes of time was added on. Theo Archibald picked hey. up his customary booking <laughs> in the final minute as the teams went in goalless at half time. I feel like we need uh, some jingles on this podcast. We need a Theo Archibald booking jingle, yeah, which yeah. could be uh, just, so, start, just a jingle like when your phone rings. Yeah, some angry Scotsman just shouting out <laughs> yellow. <laughs> half time, nil nil. It's ended now. It's just over 7,000 with a uh, whopping. And uh, very impressive. decent and impressive 469 fans making the journey. Well done to each and every one of you for that. Amen to that run. Although you couldn't have picked a better weekend to be down uh, on the English Riviera, to be fair. So good luck to you all. Run and ref with GC said, what a fantastic first half performance. Apart from our finishing, Ruel is the worst culprit. And Cooper and Omar should have also scored some decent corner routines. But I would like to see us vary the throw-in at set pieces. Stupid yellow card from Theo and everyone knows... Um, DRS is a yellow card. I don't know what DRS is. Uh, Grant, you're going to have to be more specific because we're not all trainee referees, uh, mate. So let us know what DRS is. I presume it's uh, like a terminology used by the referees there. Good point about corners, though. Obviously, Beckles sits the bar from a corner and Cooper should really score from a corner. And I think last week, we've been moaned our delivery from corners. So probably something that's been worked on the training ground. Well spotted, Grant. Ben Woodlock, 13th at halftime. And I'm lucky not to be in front. Big second half coming up. Exeter are defending balls in their box worse than us. Get the ball to Theo and Graham so that Piggott, Ruel and Moncur can take a gamble. Yeah, good shout. Very good shout there, Ben. The second half got underway. No changes for the O's, but just three minutes in, Exeter took the lead through Mitchell's screamer of a shot on the bounce from just inside the box to make it 1-0. I mean, that is a very, very good goal. I think it's Tom James who slips is, yeah. um, down. Um, just bad timing for him to slip there. That then allows Mitchell more time to strike the ball. It's set up perfectly for it. And it is a shame because we dominated the first half, so they don't really deserve to be ahead. They take the chance, though. So credit to them. Sometimes you just got to say, lovely strike, mate. Well played. We had enough of those go our way last season where Smith was banging them into the top pins or yeah. Archibald couple. So sometimes you just got to applaud the quality. So let's yeah. move on into the 54th minute. As Sweeney for Exeter got his toe on the ball to deny Omar Beckles what may have been an equalising goal. A minute later, the O's would were, were deny won't to be denied for much longer. The as the equalising came after some good work from Jordan Graham down the right hand side, he drove to the byline, got a, his cross into the box, which Joe Pickett controlled superbly on his chest. He turned, swivelled, shot the ball straight into the back of the net as it came down past Gary Woods to make it 1-0. I mean, absolutely brilliant technique from him. Great goal. They allowed him the time to do that, which I'm sure their manager would be absolutely spitting blood about. Um, I would be if that was me. They stood off him, they allowed it. Um, Great, fantastic. That was a very important goal, I think, for two reasons. One, great response to going behind. I think the longer you go behind for, it's important to come back. So we've, I think conceded in the 48th minute, equalised like 54th. (coughs) Also, I think Pickett needed that goal. We've spoken about him last week and... How obviously he was on the bench, obviously being a topic of discussion for a lot of tweets that we get, needed that goal and took it really well. Hopefully that's the first of many uh, for him in an orange shirt. Lovely to see. You can see any celebration, I think. Relief on his face. Great stuff there. 58th minute in. Dan Prattley picked up a book in for a foul on Trevitt. Yeah, 63 minutes. Gary Woods made a great save from Brandon Cooper's shot on the edge of the box after some good build-up play. It's like Brandon Cooper knows where the net is. Like He's gone close a yeah, couple of times in absolutely. this game. So hopefully we've got a goal-scoring centre-back. Uh, in the right net hopefully nice. 65th minute from the resulting corner Joe Pickett had a chance he headed the ball into the ground 
but the ball bounced just over the bar. Yeah, it does everything right there, but he's just bounced it too early. Yeah. He's put too much head on it, and it's just gone uh, over and, the bar. and pinged straight over. 68 minutes, first change for the O's. Jordan Brown came on to replace George Moncur. Yeah, Tom James was fouled, 30-plus yards out. <coughs> referee brought for a break and play in the 72nd minute, so the players could take on their fluids. Yeah, and when the right play restarted three minutes later, the free kick was taken, but unfortunately wasted because it flew straight over. 78th minute, big, big chance for Exeter as Mitchell had a big chance to put them ahead after Cross found him unmarked at the far post. And with a goal to mercy, he headed just wide. Big let off. Maybe that's a sign now of the luck yeah. starting to turn our way. I think recent weeks that probably goes in and we find ourselves two one down with 12 minutes left. Yeah, totally agree with you. He should have done, he should, he'd be fuming with himself. He should have scored that. 85th minute now, further changes for the O's as Jordan Graham was replaced by Ethan Galbraith and Brandon Cooper was replaced by Rob Hunt. 89th minute in as the game was drawn to its conclusion. Two bites of the cherry as from ninth corner, Ethan Galbraith's effort was blocked. Then Gary Wood's done well to come and collect Tom James's cross. Six added minutes went up on the board in the second minute. It was limbs in the away end as Ethan Galbraith found Ruel Soturio in loads of space. The defence backed off. He took the ball forward and he fired a curling shot from 25 yards, at least 25 yards out. And it went into the bottom corner of the net, beating Gary Woods that sparked absolute pandemonium <laughs> and chaos with Ruel picking up a booking for his celebration. Now, you think that's a superb goal, right? I think that's an alright goal. I think Gary Wood should do much better there. Don't yeah, get me wrong. But he doesn't. He doesn't. And that goes in the bottom corner and he curls it round. I'd say most League One keepers are saving that. Mm -hmm. However, a 92nd minute away winner. But a League One lives. goalkeeper didn't save that. A third choice League One goalkeeper. A League One goalkeeper <laughs> didn't save that. I mean, you can but, spit hers over it. You're right. Look, Maybe he's not. Look, we, said, we said luck might be changing. Again, hopefully that's a sign of things to come. Again, I think that does wonders for Real Soto's confidence. I agree. Um, he and, and we have the monkey off our back of not winning an At away Exeter. game. So and yeah. the Exeter. So love it. There's a lot of uh, video content around the goal celebration. So if you saw that fan getting dragged away, yeah, by the steward, like you said, sunshine, 92nd minute Beers. winner. We're all straight into the away end celebration. It must have been an amazing thing being part of that 469. Anyway, but technically, yeah, good assist from Galbraith. Hopefully now Soteriu can go and score many more goals. Absolutely. Can't beat it. Piggott needed his goal, you're right. I think Royal needed that because yeah. of the misses that he'd had yeah. in the game and also against Gillingham. I think it's been a tough week for him and I think he deserved that. Yeah, all right. So 2-1 up then. 94th minute, Shaq Ford came on to replace the aforementioned Joe Piggott. Yeah, and Jordan Brown was booked a minute later. Yeah, 9th minute, the referee brought the match to a close with no further talking points. as the free... Points were going back to East London as the O's shook up League One by beating the league leaders 2-1. Got to love it. So Richie Wellens, although not on a touchline, done the uh, post-match interview, spoke to Dave Victor. We're going to play like the first kind of questions that Richie answered. So here's what Richie had to say post-match. Richie, thanks for joining us. Congratulations. A huge performance, a massive win. I think, you know, we didn't play as much as what we usually do. We didn't get... In terms, I don't know what the passes are and the possession stats, but we didn't pass it as as much as what we did. But we had a game plan. Um, I think first half, I think we were just totally dominant. First half, we've hit a bar twice. We probably had two or three other situations where we can score. Morell's got a tap in, but, but misses the target. And apart from one breakaway from Dimitri Mitchell, where where um, where Souls powered it out, there was there was no threat at all. You come out second half thinking building that performance, and then the 
the lad hits an absolute world and you're thinking maybe that's just our luck. But we never felt sorry for ourselves. We kept doing the basics right. And I think that was a big thing today. We've done all the basics right. Set plays were good for and against. Um, and it's something that we've been striving for. Um, and then even when we got it back to 1-1, I just think we was the dominant team. It was a test of character, though, in this heat, having gone a goal behind. Yeah, I probably delayed the subs a little bit longer than what I wanted to because I didn't feel a need to, to make a sub. You know, you're always worried about people tiring and, and um, obviously Jordan Graham still getting up to speed. So you, you're worried about a few things when it's a heat, mainly fatigue. But um, I thought the whole squad, the subs that came on, um, obviously Ethan's come on and made a good little touch for, for a Wells um, goal. And the good thing is we can still we can get so much better. We can get so much better. There were so many times there on transition where we can play we can get in. Um, but it's, there's a lot of other good signs. I thought Piggott played his best game for us. I thought it was a real threat. He was a handful. I thought in terms of the duels with the centre-halves, he, he, he won his fair share. Um, again, another good performance by Jordan Graham. So a lot, of, a lot of good performances. And psychologically, how important is that goal for Joe Piggott? Well, again, when you play really well, the strikers, they want to be told that they're playing well, but they also want to see the name on the score sheet. So um, I think it was a really good finish. I think maybe he could score the header where he heads it down. Um, he had it down too early, so obviously bounces high. Um, but I think, forget his goals going. In terms of a manager, I want a platform. I want something to play off, especially when you're away. You know, it was a good occasion for him today, 20th anniversary of a, of a really, really good football club that a fan owned and produced players and build a new training ground. It's a really good model for, for a lot of football clubs. So they should be proud of their day. But we obviously wanted to come in and spoil it, you know. So that was Richie Wellens talking to Dave Victor. The entire interview uh, is on the club's YouTube channel. I want to thank you uh, to Dave, as always, for sending that over. I must say as well, uh, Gary Caldwell, in his kind Very of calm. after comments, again, another manager like Cambridge's Mark Bonner uh, two weeks ago, came out and said how well Orient had played. So refreshing to see that. Um, Respect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Steve Evans said last week that, that we'd done well, but obviously his side had done even better, but credit to us. So no, it is nice, the respect, the mutual respect there. So the league table is up. Um, we're not going to cover it at the moment. We still think it's probably a little bit too early. We'll cover uh, yeah, it in a couple I mean, of weeks' time. Obviously, so. only two League One games uh, took place on yeah. Saturday. We'll start mentioning the league table from next week, hopefully after we beat Peterborough. Hopefully. Fingers away. crossed. So, Bidda Lejande, your views in on a very sunny, special Saturday. Yeah, uh, outstanding result. Absolute coupon buster for anyone that played yeah. against us. Uh, we played really, really well, especially in the first half. And I think Richie put out a side that had the right blend and mix of youth and the right blend and mix of experience as well, which I think absolutely showed... Uh, we do better, we, clearly we do better against sides that want to play football, that are footballing sides like your Cambridges, like your Exeters. You know, they weren't top of the league by fluke. They'd started their seasons off off really well. They had the momentum behind them. All right, granted, Exeter, probably that wasn't their first eleven that, yeah. that Gary Caldwell would, would choose to, to put out. Um, but we had lots of chances and you can only play what's in front of you. But we just need, like we said earlier, we just need to be a bit more clinical. Mm. Pleased that both our strikers are scoring goals. Could it have been more? Yeah, it could have been. Um, it's good, like you say, that we're getting our defenders in in positions. You know, Richie does like the the wealth of goals to come of the, to be spread around the side and not just have like a twenty thirty goal a season main striker. Um, so it's good that, like you say, Brandon Cooper and and Omar Beckles were <clears throat> excuse me in goal scoring um, opportunities. 
Um, yeah, and love to see the goal go in in the 92nd minute. Everyone loves a last-minute goal. And, yeah, we beat Exeter at their ground on the 13th of January 2001. So we definitely owed them. I mean, we've beaten them at home since, but um, that's nice to get that monkey off the back. And, and yeah, just like Matt said, we're getting a point a game at the moment. It's not the end of the world. Um, and I think we'll be fine in the long run. Okay, For you? Yeah, it felt like a big win, actually. But I think, more importantly, it was a deserved win. So yeah. 90 second minute ago, it wasn't uh, like a smash and grab. Yeah, you're like, right. It was yeah. like a deserved win. Like You, you can't beat a 90 second minute goal in the sunshine that ultimately beats the league table toppers away from home. Lovely. Sunny day. I think big performances all over the pitch. I think Beckles needed a big game. I think he had it. Moncur done well from what people have said. Piggott obviously scores his first goal <clears throat> for the club, which is great to see. Graham looks like he's putting in some absolutely quality balls yeah, for Piggott. Right. To attack, and I think it's important, like we said, that Satu got his goal. So not, you know, not really any many negatives at all there um, from the game. I think one nil down, the heads could have easily gone down. So I think well done to Paul Terry and Matt Howell who were actually down there on the bench, making sure the heads didn't go down. But great response, like we said. Kudos to all the Ace fans who made the journey. I think it's important now. We need to keep that momentum going forward. Again, another clear week on the training ground. I presume it'll be the core of that team that line up again. But I think Rishi probably already has that team in mind for who he wants to play next Saturday. But hopefully, another bigger way day awaits next Saturday. Absolutely. And hopefully, three more points. Yes. Absolutely done. Well done. So, those were our views. Very brief, very short, very to the point. Uh, we had a load of views that came in. So, sorry if we don't read out your view. We think we've covered most of the views and opinions that came in with the following tweets. And DeWard underscore seven said outstanding effort the scoreline flattered Exeter it demonstrates what happens when you set up to counter the opposition and we mentioned that maybe Richie had looked at the opposition and gone right this is going to be a better way to counter them as opposed to what his strongest 11 he feels may be which is what yeah. obviously Evan's done and what a lot of managers do magic underscore John said massively deserved that people can moan but we abandoned the pretty stuff at the back and went direct which kept us forward again some of the Stevens done very well last week Graham was the best player I've seen deliver a ball in years at the Orient. Wow. Once again, I don't think we're offered much, but delivered when needed. There you go. Danny Ra, 58401239, said a fully deserved win, and it could have been um, could have been by more if we were more clinical. Cooper looks like a great signing. We will only get better from here. Dan Orton, 2590. So I saw it's a surprising team news. I thought we had a real chance. Orient, thoroughly deserving to win, and any other result would have been unbelievably disappointing given how the game would win. Poor error for Exeter's goal, and we can't be missing that many glaring chances, but a good win. The Topping Tim said, Massive performance. Reminded me of the Wickham game, but we got the luck we deserved today. Big confidence boost for the two strikers. Ruel will always find goals from somewhere. The lad is a goal machine. Tommy Atkinson, six, an incredible performance. Certainly appears to warrant the result. Only criticism might be, can we finish more chances? Probably, but don't care now. We've taken three points away from and against the league leaders once again. James O'Hagan said, If this Orient turns up all season, then the fears that have been creeping in will be put to rest. Controlled most of the game. Didn't let the goal get our heads down. Ruel coming good after a quiet afternoon. Did not expect that when I saw the lineup. Good job. Good job indeed. Samuel LOFC 97 said, Fully deserved that. The squad looks strong now. Everyone's back. Real competition for places. Monker has taken a lot of criticism for his work rate and on the ball he thought he was really good. Prattley gets better with age and Beckles also didn't put a foot wrong. Well, 
Not bad for a non-league striker, eh? <laughs> 1965 AC, 1881. So clearly Richie Wellens doesn't know what he's doing. The players aren't good enough. What's the point of Martin Ling? Blah, blah, blah. Nice tweet there. M8, like that one. XYL. So good showing. Shows we can do it in League One. Good to see us taking some chances, putting balls into the box and causing opposition problems. If we cut out some of the mistakes at the back, we are right up there. Also, maybe this will teach our fan base to not be so downtrodden after a loss. Is one of the things I think that stuck with me from what Justin once said was he never gets too high, God rest his soul, never got too high with the highs or too low with the lows. It will all balance out in the long run. And I believe that's what we should be adopting here. Like, yes, we've not started great, but like, I think like he says at the end of his interview, you know, we've played however many of the top teams um, of this division and one or two that you'd expect to be up there and... It's, we've had eight or nine injuries. Yeah, there was it's a good response, wasn't there, to a tweet earlier in the week on our timeline where I think an Orient fan, I won't name the Orient fan, uh, it isn't that Orient fan, by the way, Catherine was wondering, he was like, a bit worried about what's going on. And I think we got a good reply saying, look, we've played like six games, majority of them have been up there in the table, we've got yeah. this injury, that injury. It was quite a, a good re- response, almost as if someone else had written it for him um, nicely, but um, I thought it was a, a clever, clever response there. Painting, yeah, very clever response, absolutely. Um, Painting Orient said, the lessons learned in the loss versus Stevenage and the subsequent hard work and tactics have effectively earned the result. We are creating 16 or more chances in most games and this will see some further upsets this season. I hope so. Great tweet. Les LK52 said, amazing away performance from the first minute. With more clinical finishing, we win by three or four. Graham, exceptional always providing the outlet ball and he doesn't give it away either. I feel like our season is really underway now. And how far are we off from the playoffs? Someone did tweet that that we haven't included. I think we're five points off relegation and five points away from the playoffs. It's a tight old division. I mean, you can't read. We're not going to go into any detail about the league <laughs> table. Are. But yeah. it's literally yeah. like, if you win the next two, for example, you could be looking at like making a challenge up there. If you lose the next two, you could be looking at like... Yeah, and so it's yeah, so it's so early in the season and so tight. It's That's real, why I don't bother looking at it's the league a real table. cluster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. At Ed Turns said we only beat top of the table. Love the love fact. love that Ed Turns real Ed Turns is engaging. Love it. Brilliant. Seb Kane said cracking win, and I'll not lie, I didn't see this one coming after the first half and how many golden chances we wasted. Then going one 0 down early in the second, I feared the worst. But credit to the players for keeping going till the end getting the win Patrick G321 said it was an incredible result and credit to Richie for making smart brave changes delighted for Piggott and we will hopefully do his confidence the world of good funny how things can change in the space of a week isn't football great it certainly is thank you Patrick again a new Twitter handle on me Millar President it's a great result boss the first half slightly edged the second Moncur looked great as did Piggott Satiru nondescript game but came good with a blinder those calling for Ling's head need to take a hard long look at themselves Jason Kilby 6 said totally deserved and dominant apart from their worldly consolation Cooper looks like a very very good signing Pratty was immense up the mighty O's and well worth the trip in from New York get in well I hope you had a safe travel uh, back to New York as well amazing some of the distances that O's fans come here obviously Jason Kilby speaks about New York last week C.T. Fitzpatrick talked about coming in from Washington yeah so yeah. coming in from all over the US. Place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you're listening and you're coming into to Leighton to watch a game, do let us know. We're at Orient Outlook on Twitter or What's Instagram, Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast, or email us. We're Orient Outlook at Outlook.com. Yeah, love it. Love hearing from fellow uh, yeah. Orient fans abroad. Final word this week goes to Gorillas1985, who said, 
How many predicted that result today? I know I did. You should keep the faith last week. I did, in Richie Wellens, we trust. Got the formation spot on. Should have won by more today as well. Roll on next week against the posh. Absolutely. So let us know if you agree or disagree with any of those tweets we've read out. I've mentioned our yeah, social media mentioned. accounts and I've mentioned our email address. So let's move on then to the prediction league. Yeah, so quite a few correct predictions for this one. Well done to Danny RA5840123 who um, predicted 2-1. So he gets three points. We had I Spurs, so in Gorillas1985, Paul R. Gregory, Charlie underscore Paul, and at Leighton Orient, and Eastside Orient who predicted 2-1 and a scorer. So we've got four points. But a massive well done to Les LK52, who takes the max five points. He said 2 1 Orient, and he also said Soteriu and Piggott. And for being ultra critical, he didn't say Piggott Soteriu in the scoring order. That's fine. However, well done, Les LK. It that means doesn't matter. At the top of the table, we've got four players all on seven points. So Charlie underscore Paul, who's obviously well known to the podcast for being an ex sponsor, Doe Lewis, Iceburst So, and Paul R. Gregory, all top on seven points. On six points by himself, Rob JB1974. And Les LK52 in third place on five points. Thanks to everyone for your predictions. The Prediction League is still open to sponsor. I think that is an absolutely golden nugget of opportunity because that tweet goes so far and so wide. So if you're sitting there with your own business or a brand that you would like to push and thinking, I love the Prediction League. I do it every Saturday. Why shouldn't I sponsor it? You know what to do. Drop us a DM and we'll get that sorted. And it goes out on every match day. So that could be a Tuesday night EFL trophy game. could be an FA Cup game. Yes. Whoever it is, we do a vote. Uh, we do a prediction Sorry for every game. It gets seen by thousands and thousands of people. Um, well worth it. So let's move on then to... Oh, so thanks to everyone who predicted, uh, sent their predictions in, some real wild ones in there, if I remember rightly as well. But we're going to move on to Sunday, the 10th of September, today as we recall, because that wraps up the Exeter game. The ladies played Chesant FC at Brisbane Road today in the FA Cup, and we're delighted to say that they won the game 4-2 as Leanne Bates uh, picked up her hat-trick and Madeline Wright's strike earned the side a 4-2 win as we progress to the next round of the ladies FA Cup tournament well done ladies that's outstanding really fantastic so 1 hour 16 minutes and 40 seconds let's wrap up this bad boy fantasy football update obviously no updates this week so friend of the podcast Chris Kane is top of our league he's got 287 points he's ahead of Ryan Beer by just 3 points in 2nd place I'm currently lingering in the lower mid tables in 268th place out 374 players it's not too late if you want to join our fantasy football league again drop us a message on one of our socials or on our email that we spoke about earlier and come and get involved in the fun absolutely so that leaves us to do the positives and negatives as we look to wrap this up now and we'll start off with the positives this week yeah so first up beating X to away for the first time in 22 years love to see eight it bumps, yeah. secondly the performance like I said wasn't a smash and grab completely deserved we had more chances played the better football their manager even came out and said we deserved it happy days last of all first away win of the season oh let me go on a bit of a U-turn in the interview that David done, which I always appreciate didn't ask about Dan Happy and someone mentioned it and I meant to pick up on it what happened to Dan Happy yesterday? I don't know it's weird that normally if a player's injured Dave will kind of initiate a conversation around that well, there was no question around injuries yesterday. Something I just picked up on. Hope Dan Happy's all right, by the way. No idea. I presume he's injured. Mm. Just thought it was odd that that question didn't get asked, or which he didn't talk about not selecting Dan Happy, who's been pretty much a consistent selection this season. He was there. He just wasn't in the squad. Oh, he was in the ground? Yeah. Oh. 
Because I saw I saw on the on the video footage after the of the game when they go to clap, I'm sure I'm sure Dan happened. Okay. I mean you can't mistake his eyebrows, so <laughs> and he's tall as well, so you notice yes, him. Yes, of course, yeah, all right. I'm pretty sure he was there. So, so it looks like probably injured, you know, like push you well and you'll recover down. It could be a worry, but obviously Brandon Cooper came yesterday done really well. Absolutely. We've got a very good replacement there by the looks thing. So the negatives of this week then the loss to Chillingham yep. midweek. The performance there wasn't bad, but just the loss and our loss of discipline. Uh, the injury list as well is still a concern, obviously, with Gal- uh, with um, Aggie and um, Drinnen out still. Obviously, that's long-term. Uh, and obviously, yeah, just to add a third one as well is our discipline. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff there. So, Hero of the Week. So, we took this one to Twitter and we had a quick 90-minute fire poll um, obviously on Twitter you can only nominate four so we nominated Jordan Graham George Moncur Joe Pickett and we're also two I think there's a few calls to put Dan Prattley in there and Brandon Cooper but obviously four is the amount we put in there and we thought about Cooper but because he got red carded yeah absolutely he played well but... yeah he did but obviously look at it in the space of a week we had 141 votes in 90 minutes which isn't bad at all so this week's hero of the week is Ruel Saturi. Yeah, always going to be with a last minute winner. Well absolutely. done. Leanne Bates uh, had the men's team not done the business. Leanne Bates would have been absolutely shooting for after a hat trick today. So well done to Leanne. And we gave the ladies the win last we week did. as well. So that would have been a back to back win for them. So next week's fixtures, we are only uh, playing one fixture next week. We're travelling up to Peterborough United on Saturday, the 16th of September. They didn't play yesterday. They are 13th in the league at the moment, and we welcome. Uh, well, don't welcome back, but we look forward to seeing XO Hector Kiprianu, who's an, a mainstay in their team. So he's done well. So if you are going up there, have a safe journey, uh, travel well, and uh, make sure you're nice and loud. Yeah, absolutely. So don't forget this one to get in touch with our sponsors, uh, Carol Langley Florist. To get in touch with them, give them a call on 028 529 4130 or get in contact via their social media. You can find them on Twitter at Carol Langley E4. You can find them on Instagram at Carol Langley Florist. You can also find their team on Facebook at Carol Langley Florist as well. So that is it. Thank you very much indeed for joining us for episode number 328. And after a terrible performance last week against Stevenage and a loss in the EFL Trophy midweek to Gillingham, the O's bounced back with an assured and convincing performance away against an early uh, against the early table toppers Exeter City. There's now plenty to build on for Richie and the staff. And with a clear week ahead, there's also plenty of time to prepare for next week's tough fixture away to Peterborough United, which we'll be talking about on next week's show as we hope to be chatting about another three points that we've gained on the road. It seems that we're playing literally every game away. Richie mentioned that on the on his post-match interview later on. Just saying, like I think... Out of eight going... games, I think we've had three at home. Yeah, at, at most. And we're away again, obviously. And we're away again, yeah. So out of nine, we'd have only had a third at home. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everyone, here's the important part. If you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe. Give the podcast a five-star rating. We'll not add one on iTunes in a little while. If you're listening on Spotify, don't forget to rate the show. We've got 99 reviews. Let us know if you're lucky on, number 100. That would be lovely. You can also comment on each episode. So thanks a few peeps who have done that so we have had a few comments on the episodes which are all visible on our Spotify page so also if you're following us on any platform or you listen on any platform give us a favourite on there as we get all the podcasts as soon as they are uploaded we also can be found on FanHub we can also be found on YouTube Alexas Echoes whatever kind of smart speakers you've got you can find us there and if you have an older relative loved one an orient chum a new season ticket holder buddy someone who sits next to you every week 
grabbed him pre-match, give him a hug, and slip him a little Outlook podcast love. They'll love it. Pass Absolutely. the pod. Absolutely. So it just leaves us to say thank you very much to Matt Porter for joining yes, us and the club for arranging that. You were superb as always. We're going to be back with episode 329 next week with all the information, all the news and views that you could ever need. And we look forward to hearing from you. As always, keep calm, stay safe. Please do have a great week. We'll be back next week. And make sure you're listening to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.